0: Tonight, is public, Tonight.
1: Gentlemen. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Thank you Good so man. much, man. Anytime I I can hear that my comedy broke up a, a relationship, <laughs> I know I'm onto something. My work is done, dude.
2: Do you know which one I'm talking? I bet you do. Do you know
1: which set? I'm assuming you mean the set where I talked about being forty uh, something, single, never married, no kids. I did it. I made
2: it. Made it through the maze. Yes, dude. I was. I'm. I'm not even kidding. I was in Connecticut. Do you remember the comedy club, uh, City Steam? In sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah I played there many times. Yep. I'm doing doing city steam i've got a full weekend there and i brought uh, the girl i was seeing to that club we're in the hotel room you had just done that letterman set and i'm like oh, i love ted we gotta watch this set you did this and i'm sitting there the whole time i'm like fuck i gotta rig out with her uh, <laughs> and, and i'm dying la- and she's not having like i any hope you that.
1: Uh, i hope you waited at least till the end of the set. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i think i let the weekend i went i, I waited the weekend we got okay. to use the hotel room appropriately and then All a right. couple of weeks later <laughs> i was like how do i get out of this maybe i'll just show her the set again <laughs> yeah, uh, That's, right. that's yeah. right. no you saved me so uh i was uh but that was that was a beautiful moment so i can't thank you enough
1: Happy to help out,
2: man. Um, help do out. you remember the first? Do you, I, I don't. I'm, I've met. I like. I saw you all the time in New York when I was bumming around doing, you know, uh, crappy bringer shows and stuff. And you were always super, super nice to young comics. You're always super nice to me. Um, but you and I worked together. I got to open for you when I shouldn't have been opening for you.
1: Or I was anybody. just thinking about this before I came on. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you know, you do so many gigs, it gets hazy. But I mm-hmm. think. You and I worked together at Uncle Vinny's. Is that right?
2: Yes. Uncle Vinny's in Point Pleasant.
1: Yeah, man. (laughs) Nice. I can't
2: believe. I I had a a blast because I loved getting to work with you. But it was one of those situations where, first of all, you were like super chill because you actually invited me to eat with you. Like we got to sit down because, you know, some headliners don't give a (laughs) fuck. It's young, but whatever. But we we sat down. It's
1: a window window into the comedy world. I'm a nice guy for letting another comedian eat with me. (laughs) (laughs) The bar is low. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's yeah, the I, little I things yeah, yeah. It's, no i know what you mean though yeah for sure yeah and and so so you know i got to i got to chill out whatever but it was one of those things where like i it, not a you know don't want to shit on another club but not a huge fan of that that you know place oh, in man. general i don't i don't no, know if you I don't,
1: I, I don't think i've been back and i think uh i think if i remember it was right around the holidays and they had some shitty yep. christmas party That was like it was the only people there, right? It was like yeah, it was
2: awful. It was awful, brutal, man. So fucking brutal. But it was one of those things where I felt personally responsible because I was just a huge. I was like Ted's the best. I want Ted here, and then of course it was on one of the worst nights. (laughs) So all just guilt, all guilt the entire time doing the doing the thing. No, it's
1: not on you, man. You you know because it's it's funny. Like on the one hand, you're saying oh shit, Ted's the best, and on the other hand, I'm saying. Oh, I can't! I can't draw anybody except an office, an office fucking Christmas party that's going to blow, you know. So yeah, we're we're all in our heads for different reasons, right? (laughs) Oh my god! Well, good. I'm glad you. I'm I'm surprised you remembered it. That was nice. Yeah, Uh, yeah. No, that was a that was a fun weekend, despite the you know despite the shows. The shows got in the way of what could have been a good
2: time. Absolutely, Absolutely, man. And then I remembered to go into a, a good Christmas party with you, one of the Gotham ones or whatever, and you and Jessica Kirsten were fucking hilarious because i don't know you guys were just dancing on the <laughs> stage and doing the like it, it started out dancing and then it started yeah. where i think she just scratched her head and like pretended a headbutt you and you did this <laughs> like you guys started like play fighting like to christmas music <laughs>
1: <laughs> i gotta say anytime jessica and i get together it, and music's involved it gets pretty insane man yeah yeah <laughs> Funny side story about Jessica. Um, Mm -hmm. She's married now to a woman that I taught when I was, I taught, uh, you know, my very first teaching jobs were substitute teaching, like wherever I could get work. So like the local church, the funny thing about churches is like the, you know, the church schools, you don't need any credentials to teach. It's basically if if somebody knows you or has seen you around, (laughs) they'll let you, (laughs) they'll let you sub. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I was substitute teaching. I was probably like 21 years old mm-hmm. and, uh, I wound up substitute teaching. Uh, it was K through eight. So, uh, her now wife was an eighth grader at the time. <laughs> and I remember her cause she was a great student. She was a great kid. Cause you remember right. either the, the really bad ones or the really good ones, but right. she was one of the good ones. So it's, it's so uh-huh. funny now, you know, uh, many years later that yeah. she's married to Jessica. That's incredible, man.
2: Yeah. I, so you started out as a music teacher, right?
1: Well, uh, started kind of uh, substitute teaching, and then I got this gym teaching gig. Uh, that was even that even predated the the subbing. I was a, I was a gym teacher at my friend's school. He was the music teacher, and I took a year off. I had been studying jazz piano and took a year wow. off after my sophomore year mm-hmm. to just study independently with with a teacher. Uh, so. You know just kind of like to get a little money. My friend said his school was looking for uh, a, a gym teacher. I was 20 years old, wow. and you know, I didn't have a degree, I had no business teaching anyone. Uh, but
2: they, you <laughs> know, they were like, Can you blow a
1: whistle? I was like, Yeah, I can do that. So, <laughs> next thing I knew, I was, I was teaching K through eight gym in uh, in Ridgewood, Queens. Man, it was that's nice.
2: incredible!
0: Yeah, it's and then, even more incredible how easy it is to get a teaching job with absolutely no <laughs> credentials. <laughs> it's crazy. If one person can vouch for you, and I yeah.
2: think it can even be a kid, you know, uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll be teaching in no time. <laughs> Wait till my friends in Jersey find out. They're all suckers for trying to go through the whole schooling process. And I'm like, you just walk into a church and start talking to people. You'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nobody asked for a diploma. Nobody asked for anything, man. Yeah. Wow.
2: And just, I,
1: I wound up going to get my, I got my master's. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. understand. Like I knew that I had this knowledge already. Like
2: I'm already a teacher, Like, but I went and I did the whole thing. So whatever, but now <laughs> right. I'm
1: a meeting. So it, it had a happy ending.
2: Yeah, that's incredible, man. And I, I loved your, uh, you had a an internet show for a while about teaching, right? Uh, That's right. Yeah. Web series. It was called web Teacher's series. Lounge. Yeah. Teacher's Lounge. That's it. Fucking yeah. brilliant, by the way. Uh, Lewis Black was in it. Everybody, all your friends were in it that were co- that are like major players in the comedy world. But you guys were a- amazing together. Thank and you. Yeah, really- That was
1: my buddy Hollis James, who Hollis I, James. Uh, I went to Queens College with. Uh, and he actually was really directly responsible for me getting into comedy. Because uh, he started, like, the improv sketch group at Queens College. Mm -hmm. And so this was after I had dropped uh, music as my major. And I was kind of despondent and, like, not knowing what I was going to do. So Mm. I just, you know, I took teaching as my major just because I had already taught. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll I'll be a teacher. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, you know. Right. uh, but I, I found out about the Sketch Improv group and uh, hit it off with Hollis. And he and I, when I graduated, we started going to all the open mics around New York, around Brooklyn, just anywhere we could get on stage as a duo. Uh, we, mm-hmm. were, we, we were a two man for a couple of years. And uh, so, yeah, then years later, um, we did Teacher's Lounge together, co-wrote it, co-starred in it. And as you said, everyone from uh, Lewis Black as the principal, Jim yeah. Daffigan as the school nutritionist. Judy Gold as the gym teacher, Todd mm-hmm. Barry as the uh, the librarian. We All did t- perfectly cast, by the way. It was great. Yeah, Michael Che. I mean, we got a lot of people yeah. just before they took off, too. Michael Che was, if you remember, there was like a heartbeat mm-hmm. where Che was in between the Daily Show yep. and uh SNL. SNL. Yeah. And uh we shot uh the Teacher's Lounge right right in
2: between. So it was nuts. Brilliant, man. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of funny his trajectory because I he was brilliant on the Daily Show and the bits that he was doing were fucking stellar. And then all of a sudden he was gone. And I was I like, mean,
1: talk about like a hot. I, I like to think Teachers Lunch had something to do with his ascent. Yes. Um, <laughs>
0: yes. but yeah, but yeah,
1: absolutely. He went from the Daily Show. I think he only lasted a couple months, if that. Yeah, and got the got the offer to do SNL. And you know, I mean, talk about like having heat, man. You leave the mm-hmm. Daily Show to go do SNL. Yeah. So yeah, he uh and we we you know, like I said, we had teachers lounge right in between. So, not too do bad. Do you
2: see a lot like cuz you've been doing this for so long, do you see a lot of those institution kind of things where the Daily Show like the Daily Show created so many amazing performers and amazing people, right? That came yeah. out of that. But how how many like SNL's got their movie stars and stuff like that. Obviously, they've been on forever. But uh you know, the, for me then, anyway, the Daily Show seemed there seemed to be a lot of people that I know just strictly from that. Do you notice that when you're when you were coming up like these places you're like oh if you're on here you get a b c and d
1: yeah for sure i mean i i think those two were were probably the hottest you know uh and, and what was interesting in, in, over the span of my stand-up career was you saw things in a way go away from the stand-up clubs and go mm-hmm. over to like ucb or the pit right so that's where all the heat really was i mean when i was starting it was weird because the timing, like stand up, was kind of dead when I started in the, in the early to mid '90s. And mm. you heard about all these like stories where they were handing out deals on the street. Yep. You know, like you could go to go up to uh, just for laughs, and you'd come back with a quarter of a million dollar deal. Right. Uh, but that was all done, man. When I when I started, it was like you had to really just be in it for the love because there wasn't shit going on. Right. Uh, but yeah, really, then improv was what got hot again. And, uh, you saw everybody, whether it was commercials or, uh, you know, sitcoms, you know, the office and, uh, yeah. all, all those kinds of things, uh, community, all those people. It was very densely populated with, uh, improv people.
2: Yeah. They were plucking those people out of everywhere too. And that's another thing, man. When I started, I started in 2005 and you were somebody that people talked about a lot at that time too, because like, when I was, I loved, I'm such a stand-up nerd that when I was in high school, I mean, I've had, I've got every book, Comic Insights by Franklin J. and uh, the one where they followed Richard Lewis, uh, what was it, I can't think of the name of it, but there's one where they, one book where they just follow Richard Lewis around, um, and this one reporter just goes, uh, talks to him and all this other stuff and all those guys, but you know, when you read I, I that, opened, kind of-
1: I opened for him out at uh, Cobbs one oh, weekend nice. out in San Francisco, and it was so wild, man, I, I'm sure the book alludes to this, but he was the only headliner I ever worked with who the entire weekend would just show up when it was time for his set like as yes. I was bringing him on you know cuz I guess cuz of like uh, staying clean and uh you know not wanting to be tempted but you know he, he was uh, I guess uh in 12 whatever 12 step program 12 so yeah yeah so he he would not <laughs> like our interaction was just he'd come in the back door Mm-hmm. And I'd introduce him and then and then he'd be on his way as soon as the set was over.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They they were talked about that in the book. Um, uh, the, you know, him trying to avoid any kind of those entrapments and also his um like severe hypochondria, like didn't like to be didn't like to he, he had to have his own toilet where he was, where he felt comfortable and didn't like any kind of uh green room stuff, you know, didn't like to mess around with any of that kind of shit, which um, <laughs> you know, we've seen some of those couches, man. So I mean, I've slept oh, on yeah. a, a few of those couches. I think governors, yeah. I made my I used to get there so early for shows at Governors because I was always afraid of uh uh Truson from being for being late. Yeah. So I would get there early while they were still vacuuming, and I'd just be sleeping on Joey Cola's couch. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> funny. Yeah, no, Tom Iriero would walk in and be like, "What are you doing here so early?" I'm like, "Well, you know, just helping out." Um, yeah, yeah, uh, that's great. But I I remember when I started, man, they were they were talked about you um a lot because you were very uh influential in like making sure people got more money like comics getting more money at the time and like there was a there was a a whole buzz about about you and a few of those guys who did it is that was that your like foray basically into like was that your activism combined with your love of comedy because i know i want to talk to you about your political activism and stuff because you're highly influential to me um but like it seemed like you meshed the two together and you had gotten tired of comedians being abused and you used that kind of ability that you have to like just gather people, man. I mean, you you, you fucking hustled and, and got shit done. So uh, can you talk a little bit about how you how you wound up doing that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of a, a very organic outgrowth of just conversations that were taking place in the community. Comedians mm-hmm. were talking all the time about uh, how pay was too low. And we essentially were making the same pay since the mid 80s. And uh, when I organized, I organized the comedians on two different occasions. The first was like the early 2000s, and that was just a a petition. Mm
0: -hmm. So I
1: wrote wrote up a petition asking the clubs for a raise. And this was kind of pre social media. So Mm. I I literally was physically standing like in the Starbucks across the street from the comic strip or the Ben's Pizza on the corner of the cellar because I couldn't, I couldn't like plant myself at yeah, the bar know. of the clubs and say like right. hey you know sign <laughs> <laughs> so i had to kind of loiter <laughs> um so yeah man i, I you know I, I just wrote this petition up and i ran it by a bunch of veteran comics and kind of sheepishly because you know i was uh, gosh i mean at that point i was about 10 years in maybe a little mm-hmm. less so I was kind of sheepish about even doing it but i felt like Let me just do this and ask a few veteran comics to kind of sponsor it and put their names at the top so that, you know, the clubs know it's legit and other comics know they can sign and not be fearful. So I had people like uh, at that time, William Stevenson and uh, uh, Vic Henley and uh, Greg Giraldo, you know, uh, Louis Black, you know, these kind of comics, Judy Gold. Right. So that, uh, you know, comics that were at their level or or below would feel comfortable signing as well. So I, I wound up getting uh, about 100 signatures for that one. And uh, the pay got raised, um, I, I think, about like 10 bucks on the weekends per set. Wow. You know, so it went from 50 to 60, maybe as high as 65. I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. I think it was 65 on the weekends. And the the <laughs> weeknight pay might have gone up five bucks at some places, not not all right um so then about five years later russ mineve called me up russ and i started around the same time great friends you know mm-hmm. kind of came up through the ranks together so this is about four or five years about five years later so now we're kind of veteran guys who have done all the shows and you know kind of less to lose you know we, we've got relationships with the clubs and we're at that kind of prime spot where we don't give a shit
0: <laughs> uh about
1: the clubs you know right. like what are they gonna do to us i'll just work somewhere else
0: yeah.
1: uh and we're not like so far advanced that like we don't care about the clubs you know like right we're right not, we're not just doing drop-in sets we earn our, we earn our living at the clubs when we're in town yeah um so so russ called me up and said would you like to revisit this Mm -hmm. and initially i said no because it was so much work (laughs) right it was like a full-time job man like like i said going to the starbucks and and people don't show up or you know and and it was before like this this real connectivity of of the internet like you know uh people had cell phones and stuff but it wasn't like as simple as it would be now to just organize and send out a thing and everybody signs it you know Mm -hmm. um so I said no to Russ initially, but then I saw, you know, he kind of was persistent and came back to me a couple times and I saw like, oh, he means it. You know, he's he's as invested as I was the first time. So right. he kind of lit my fire again and I was like, yeah, let's fucking do this, man. So uh we did it again and this time we had like 300 comedians wow. and it was called the New York Comedians Coalition. Yeah. Uh, there, there was some discus- discussion about forming uh, a proper union. But uh, comedians being who they are, like, you know, everybody's like fighting and uh, people don't want to fill out paperwork. And we're we're such like, you know, we're freelancers and people, I guess, are worried about taxes. Right. All all the other things. So uh, we did not in the end vote to unionize, but the coalition served as kind of a, a, a body to collectively bargain. So we wound up with the help of AFTRA. And I should mention Stephen Burrow was the president of AFTRA with a long history going back to like Norma Ray and shit like that. He, wow. yeah. he had, or he was a lawyer that had uh, a long labor history, you know? So he uh, served as kind of our mentor. And so that really helped. Like, I think some of these clubs were expecting a, the ragtag bunch of comedians to walk in and be like, you know, give us money. But we had, uh, <laughs> we had Stephen Burrow <laughs> with us and this guy was legit, man. Very, very yeah. soft spoken, but very uh, kind of commanding presence. Um, so yeah, he, he he certainly deserves a mention as well. So we wound up getting a pay raise a second time.
2: Yeah, that's incredible, man. It was the New York Comedians Coalition that I remember when I started because I didn't I didn't understand I, like I was I was brand new and I you know uh, my perception of comedy when I when I first started was I legit thought everybody made a decent amount of money. You know, what I mean, like I thought that you guys were like raking it in and, and having a good time and making money, and then I and then I slowly <laughs> found out that no. Oh, that's not the case. And you guys had started organizing again. And I was like wildly, I was impressed, but I was also like intimidated by it. Cause I was like, holy shit. Like there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. Like, and, by the way, still don't understand about the business. Uh, sure. Well, it's <laughs> but, the business does not make
1: sense. Uh, it, to quote, to no. quote Dan Natterman, I, I, I love a quote that he once said. Uh, this business has no business calling itself a business.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love Dan Netterman.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, um, it, it is, a it's a create, in, in a lot of ways, it is uh, symbolic of, of kind of the chasm that you see in, in every field where it's the haves and the have nots. Like you kind of hope mm-hmm. to win the lottery. Right. And everybody right. points to Chappelle and Seinfeld and whoever else. But yeah. like, meanwhile, you know, if you're if I'm going to these clubs, I'm still making 75 to 100 bucks for a set, you know, so it's it's yeah, obscene. I
2: was I was talking to Steve Breen, who's a great political cartoonist, if you don't know him. And um, but uh, he was talking to me about just cartooning in general. And he goes, it's basically the same thing you just said, where he goes, everybody's perception of a cartoonist is Schultz and jim davis who created garfield <laughs> and he's right. like and they all think we've got merchandising deals and, they, and he goes and the reality is is no we are going publication by fucking publication and you know a lot of us are, are like struggling for money or whatever he goes he's you he talked about one day he where he was just blown away he got to meet charles schultz and he got there and schultz had like uh like a porsche outside of his house and, and with the with a with a charlie brown stripe <laughs> <on> the... <laughs>
0: yeah and it was just that
2: he was like oh fu- i gotta make that kind of like he's like i am nowhere near that level but um yeah, yeah it, it's it's fucking weird um and now I, I loved it so you you know you did that was the first that was the first time i realized that you were like uh well organized and you meant business as far as being hysterical, because I just I always saw you guys at the... You and Jessica, I always saw at the clubs a lot. Um, and Jess was always very nice to me as well. But you guys also made me laugh, like doubled over laugh the hardest. Like just... Uh, so it was, always, it was always fun to see you guys doing whatever you're doing. But then I like uh, saw you like on Facebook a lot and you were very uh, vocal and active. And I used to bug you, by the way. And I know I did. Because uh, I'd be like, hey, man... You know, because I was just like, I, my, my first, uh, like, protest, um, and I've talked about it a couple times on the show, so I'm sure people are like, Jesus, shut up. But uh, I got detained by Secret Service. That was my first ever, uh, for a start,
1: man. That's a good, that's a
2: good way to start. (laughs) My friend and I were 19 and Bush was coming to our, our town, which we really got defensive over, uh, for his second reelection. And we were like, not in this fucking town. Like, (laughs) and, and we went to go protest, not realizing that we were in a completely red County and we would be the only two. So we went and we had trunk. We had opened up a trunk and we had signs and fucking a shirt and the whole thing. And, they tore, they tore our signs up and stuff. But we got to go. We went into the convention center, and which I just remember taking another sign and unfolding it out of this giant sweatshirt I had and like held it up. And then, uh, and we got flanked by um, people who were dressed down. We made it into the newspaper. Um, nice. We were cuffed, and my parents, my stepdad is was the um, chief of state park police at the time, and my parents were at a like a, a Halloween fest or some kind of shit or whatever they didn't know we were doing this and w- my friend's parents are like strictly conservative he went to tcnj so the next morning um uh, my mom was like pounding on my bedroom door and she was like you gotta you gotta call sean you're in the paper and i was like fuck and like lived in a cul-de-sac and we just stole everybody's newspaper and his parents to this day don't know <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and we just took everything and i like drove him back to college that day at like seven o'clock in the morning we're like let's just go i still have the paper too but oh, but you were great. like, I used to, I used to message you a bunch and I'd be like, Hey, somebody thinks this, what do you think I should say? Or what do you think I would ever, you would always yeah. had like the best advice reasonable of dealing with psychopaths. Did that come naturally to you? Or do, were you like, did, did you learn to process those, you know, kind of political emotions and feelings and stuff? Because you handle people very well online. And I didn't <laughs> uh, in the beginning. It was
1: probably s- my uh, my gym teaching days dealing with kindergarten kids and, <laughs> you know after that it was everything was easy um, yeah I mean well first off it was never a bother when you asked because I was believe me it was always a breath of fresh air when a comedian would reach out thinking about things outside of just comedy you know right um, and being oh, good. you know that you could people were engaged with the world so when you would reach out I was always more than happy to uh, to give my perspective. Um, You're
2: very generous with it too. Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it it is kind of my skill set. you know, uh, I come from a family of five. I'm the second oldest. So, um, I think even in my family, maybe, you know, the roles that you assume, uh, kind of play out in, in life too. And I was a little bit of the, I guess, the peacemaker or kind of, uh, overseeing things a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, reasonable, you know? Um, so I guess that kind of, uh, informed my, uh, activism and organizing. That's
2: awesome, man. Yeah. Cause you, I, I was always like, I would always try to like, uh, gauge what, how you were responding to people and, and stuff like that. And you were just well informed and, and tempered and i was like oh man i gotta work on that." <laughs> <I'm>
0: like, <laughs> yeah man it's um, easy
2: to it's easy to fall I, you
1: know not not to say that i haven't had those moments too where you're where you just find it flames uh flames out but uh yeah i mean i either do one of two things now i try to engage thoughtfully or just mm-hmm. disengage you know like not not answer like because um you know I yeah don't, I, I don't owe anybody you know i i posted my opinion it's there you know how i feel right uh, so i don't need to then you know yeah it's almost like stand up in a way I kind of feel like stand-up, I don't need to engage with every heckler. I don't need to engage with somebody who writes me after the show like, oh, I thought this or that. It's like, I don't Mm -hmm. give a shit. It's a fucking, it's a group experience. It's a shared experience. I'm on stage. You have to listen or not, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And (laughs) social media is a lot the same way. It's like,
2: you came to my page, you know? It's it's fucking, it's what I think. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're in my house. What are you talking about? Right. Um, do you remember what the impetus was to combine the social activism with the standup? Because, or like, do you remember a certain point where you were like, oh, I'm going to put these two together? Do you think it was always that intention?
1: No, it wasn't always that intention. I remember distinctly after 9-11, that just kind of a shift in, in my worldview and mm-hmm. I guess the things I was thinking about and the ways that I was thinking about them. A- right. And even, and, and even the way I, I thought of my career, because mm-hmm. when I first started, uh, you know, it was the Seinfeld era, so it was it was uh, you know, jokes about nothing. Yeah, I mean, it w- he was the template, you know, in the, in that time that I was starting, he was like what you look to as this is the path of uh, you know, the ideal path. You you do mm. stand up for x number of years, you get on all the shows, and then you figure out your sitcom. Um, but when nine eleven happened, yeah, I mean, I guess it just like it made me start to question and to think about so many different things in different ways uh, that I started writing about those things and it kind of came more, you know, I I think of it actually, I think you can distinctly see it as far as publicly in my, my two comedy central half hours. My Mm -hmm. first one was, was very kind of, like I said, light and, and um, personal, talking about uh, being a teacher and, uh, and all that material and then the second one had a lot of stuff about Bush and Cheney, about mm-hmm. Katrina, uh, about the things that were going on in the world. So yeah, and that's not that that that's not that far apart. But there that shift had taken place. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to me. And but you know I, I'm as proud of of all those jokes uh, at right. one one or the other. But they're just it kind of shows the evolution of
2: what I was thinking about and what I was writing yeah. about. And it's you. I mean, and it is you. It's not like you're doing this because you're, you know, got an angle or a hook. It's just this is who you are. And believe me, it's a bad angle. Anyone out there watching? (laughs) I hear you. If you're doing it for opportunities,
1: uh, I would strongly (laughs) advise against it. It it has to be really (laughs) authentically what you what
2: you feel, because otherwise, you're you're shooting yourself in the foot. Wish you told me that ten years ago. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Do you do you feel any kind of like it's it's weird, man? Because I feel like. because of how popular or how much attention comedians seem to be getting now, especially with all the different platforms you have, it's not just about having a network show anymore. Nobody's even, wa- I mean, I don't, I don't ever watch like any of the network television shows and stuff like that. Most of the stuff I absorb is, you know, uh, streaming services or YouTube and, and especially other comic stuff. What do you think about the responsibility of, um, you probably know where I'm going with this too, but just the, um, I guess the amount of followers sometimes comedians can get and their blurred line between jokes and activism or their opinion. Do you think, do you think there's a responsibility there depending on how many followers you have? Like let's say a Joe Rogan, for example, who I I enjoy and I watch when he has good guests on and I love all kinds of open conversation. I'm especially as a comic, I'm not opposed to any of that, but I have friends who vehemently believe because of, uh, the millions that watch him he's got to watch what he says and does and i also understand when he talks about how he just has conversations and 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 he does seem to kind of like and there's a lot of people that like even the breakfast club i don't know if you watch um yeah. that youtube channel i mean it's weird because i see them saying the same stuff sometimes or getting into the same topics of conversation but they don't have the attention that he's got right now cuz they're not necessarily comics it's a blur it's a blurred kind of thing do you have any you know feelings about Responsibility in that respect, or do you think comedians well, don't have any? Or uh,
1: you know, I mean, the two examples you gave are good ones because one is is beholden to corporate interests, right? The right. Breakfast Club is a, is a radio, sh- a morning yep. radio show, so Absolutely. though they have more rope than most, and their mm-hmm. brand is is kind of uh, being outspoken. Uh, they're still, you know, I'm sure they, they could get fired if they misstep as opposed to Mm -hmm. Joe, that's something he built. That's his show. Right. Um, and Spotify wrote him a check for a hundred million dollars because it's his show and he does exactly what he wants. And those were the terms of the deal. So, um, yeah, I, I feel as though, you know, I, I mean, you can't not come across a Joe Rogan clip, you know, they're, they're everywhere. (laughs) So, you know, I, I, think it's just one of those things that everybody sees at, at some point or another whether you consider yourself a fan or not right um but yeah the, the template being what it is now he's not beholden to anyone he, like he says if, if he has it in his mind that i think this person's interesting i don't always agree with his choices and right. i and I, I don't agree with who he platforms at times um but in, in the internet age that's the whole thing it's it's like well fuck you don't don't watch you know yes. like that's kind of where it's at. And and you can voice your opinion. You can voice your disapproval, but mm-hmm. at a certain, you know, at a certain state, I mean, he's trending like every other day. Now it's like, are you going to give that much attention to Joe Rogan because right. he has this guest or that, you know? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's worth, I think discussing, like how mm-hmm. are you using your platform and are you, you know, because let's put it this way. While I hear Joe and other people like him say, yeah, I'll talk to anyone. It's like, well i see a lot of the same types of people it's not like (laughs) anyone like you know you're not having (laughs) radical feminists or you know
0: You're
1: and if you do it's like you know she better look a certain way you know what i mean it's it's, (laughs) you're right it's like she could have seamlessly been on the man show or the joe rogan (laughs) podcast (laughs) you know what i mean yeah so yeah
2: so but it's his show again so that's the way it is yeah, I kind of, i feel the same way about it too. And I don't—I wish people would focus more attention on, like, again, it's one of those things where I feel like less energy—less energy towards things that are supposedly entertain—that are supposed to be entertainment—and and just you know, comedians, people goofing around—and more focused on, uh, politicians and politics and people that can actually write laws and affect change. I understand that it's not as ho- its not as easy to get those people, quote unquote, canceled or or removed from a position, and it's easier to shit on entertainers and get like a, a a feel-good reaction for a few weeks with like ha, they're off Twi-, you know what i mean or, or they shut up for a couple hours yeah. um but i really wish the energy was shifted towards you know uh politicians and shit like that too because it it seems like a waste of a fucking waste of time and resources well, to go after entertainers
1: i do think that his outsized influence mm. is a commentary on uh where we're at uh as a society, you know, right. because when the guy who used to host the Man Show and Fear Factor is the destination for presidential
2: candidates. Yeah.
1: You know, that says a lot about uh the failure of actual journalism.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that is that is a huge disappointment too and there's not a lot of places to go to get I mean, we talked about that when the Daily Show was on TV all the time, they would say it and that was just a cable channel that everybody came to and now there's people are going to a million different sources and mostly from YouTube and from people who just talk for a living on any platform they can get their hands on. So it's, it's, it's fractured in so many different ways. And it's, uh and it's upsetting to kind of try to find a pool, the the right information together. Um, it, the, the Joe Rogan thing is one thing that's interesting to me. Do you find that like, I had a problem during the pandemic and I, you know I me, mean, I, I like to, you know, do whatever I can. And I'm very vocal about how I feel stuff something like that. I had uh, accounts that had these massive followings. And one of them I got, I got kind of suckered into, uh, it was called um, we fucking hate Donald Trump, right? Brilliant name, <laughs> but you know, effective. And, and what, a lot they, of... what was their basic deal? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I couldn't narrow it down. I was yeah. trying, but uh, there's, um... <laughs> but it was weird because I felt, weird about this kind of shit bunch of celebrities followed them and it was an easy hook they had the thing they had a massive fucking following and for a while anything i was writing they were sharing and i was like great my opinions getting out there my jokes are getting out there and also i feel like i'm saying things that i'm not seeing a lot of other people say and and, you know i'd get a lot of response or a lot of hate from it um but a lot of whatever from it and then all of a sudden it started they started profiting off of stuff and i fucking felt like a dick and I was like, that's fucking shitty as hell. And I was like, How? and then it was weird because then the people who own that account came to me and was like, if you'd like to, you know, work toward, you know, we we need, you know, my wife and I want to make this a business. We need to make money. And I was just kind of like, I thought we were doing this just to raise a w- I don't know. We were making, you were making money off my shit and, <laughs> and like, whatever look, it is. I'm, I'm from the comedy world. We don't do things for money. <laughs> 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 exactly. I was like so fucking confused by the whole thing, and I was like, "Well, how much money are they making?" And then I like, you know, did some digging, man, and they were making hand over fist over other people's curating other people's material and shit. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I, so on one hand, my like, you know, trying to do the right thing, platform side, was like, "Hey, all, all that stuff's getting out there. Good for them, and they're raising awareness." And then I was like, "They're making a fortune." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. is it? Well, that's, that's true of any platform you post anything
1: on, right? You just happen to know the people in this case, mm, you know, it's like, yeah. whether it's Zuckerberg or this couple, somebody's uh making money off the shit that you're posting
2: yeah that's a good point it's 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 my eternal battle with capitalism that i i don't want to be poor but i also don't want to be used for for uh other which is never going to stop but i was just i think that was like my first i don't want to know the people that are fucking me you know let it be some (laughs) some corporate uh ceo that i'll never meet (laughs) exactly i should have given him more credit for just coming to me and telling me he needed money for his patreon i was like good for you the honesty i appreciate that (laughs) Use right. all my shit on a t-shirt you want. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that fucked me up. Uh, and right, so did you, you know, I mean, I know we, we I've seen you talk about Biden and shit like that a lot. And I'm torn between kind of ossifying over the fact that like, yeah, you know, at least it's not Trump or whatever. Like I've had uh, I had this thing over the Burger King situation where they were, um, you know, they're doing those fucking commercials uh, against Chick-fil-A and then given 40 cents to the lgb community and it was like they're just they're they're basically like hey our poison doesn't hate so if you want to buy it we'll give 40 <laughs> cents to whatever and people were like right. come on man like can't we just have a win and i was like i don't think it's a win i think for four years they shut the fuck up when right. they were making money and now it's safe to be like hey we're lgb and i i'm like yeah. i'm always fucked up over shit like that yeah sure sure yeah like with biden
1: i mean i don't know man i I was so unenthused about him from the start and remained you. so. You know, so it's like I, you know, I, I mean, I've said it throughout. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Trump's gone because just yeah. the amount of oxygen he consumes, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. not healthy for, for uh, the country. On top of a pandemic, it was just too much, man. Like that yeah. guy, yeah, he's toxic. You know, the way his brain operates is not healthy. It's not healthy for America to have to, you know, sw- swing with with his moods so Mm -hmm. you know biden you know whatever his mental health might be i I don't even know but at least he's not tweeting incessantly and he's not you know the only incendiary things he does are a result of of policy
2: right if anybody wanted to make a case for mental health being contagious i think trump would be a good like that that spread over the country like a disease Uh, oh yeah and again he's emblematic
1: he's brilliant in that he's emblematic of the time he's the right president i mean i didn't vote for him and and never would but he is the perfect embodiment of so much of this time the Mm -hmm. you know the sound bites the uh the 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 culture of combat and and all this fighting and going i mean that's that's what he that he wrote that to the white house right uh, going after rubio or going after uh oh, yeah. jeb bush whoever it was he treated it like a a combination of a roast battle or wwe <laughs> and
2: uh th- there's a brilliance to that uh it doesn't mm-hmm. speak to me at all but i get the appeal right. yeah you could see the moves and the counter moves and you were like oh i've seen this act before uh and yeah. it was frustrating to kind of watch as a performer too um I do you think that there's ever going to be a point in time where we embrace somebody like, because Bernie's probably not going to run again, and it right breaks yeah. my heart that there isn't anybody. You know, um, I mean, there's we we have AOC and we have Tlaib, and we have uh, other people like that, but it's it bums me out because he was, I think, what I wanted in the purest form. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think there's any there's going to be somebody like that that comes along? Do you think he left anybody in the because you know well, I don't I, see anybody really, but.
1: No, no, you really have to capture the imagination. And he did, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's too many people that have that and have the track record of decades right. behind it. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious. But I mean, I had a joke in, in uh, I think it was senior class of Earth, uh, where it was just kind of a throwaway. But I said, uh, you know, I voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary like most people. Um, you know, so I, I was kind of saying
0: <laughs> that he
1: fucking won, he won, you he know, they, they yeah. stole, they stole it from him twice, you know, yep. uh, I'm, I'm convinced and remain convinced, you know, but I'm not one of these, like, I'm not going to storm the Capitol, you know, like no, Bernie's, yeah. Bernie's, Bernie's, yeah. uh, supporters, as much as they were derided as being bros and all this shit. Oh, God. Uh, they're not going to storm the Capitol over an election that legitimately, and it was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, revealed in all sorts of leaks, right. Uh, yeah. the, the emails that in fact, whether it was Wasserman Schultz or Hillary, her camp, and, yep. and just the, just the, uh, the collusion with media too, the amount of, uh, or lack of amount of time that he got relative to other candidates. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, so it was like basically free advertisement for all of his opponents and he sure. was squashed. Um, so, yeah, uh, I agree 100 percent. He's not he's not my perfect candidate, but he was like one of the first right. guys that truly invigorated me to get involved, to yep. knock on doors. Um, yeah, so, I kind of thought like, shit, man, this is what we need at this critical time, because the cesspool of of, of the fucking status quo Yeah, he's going to literally kill us, you know,
2: so this guy is like a breath of fresh air. um, Yeah, and of course, they they squashed him. Exactly. And the cognitive dissonance between people I people I know who believe the same things he believes who just weren't paying enough attention. They they just didn't understand or, you know, and I would like I would spend wasted hours by the way, but hours like just going like cuz I I was You, you had know, to prepare for court, man. You had to you have did. all your right? Yeah. Absolutely. Dude, I to this day on this phone, I will not get rid of them. I still have screenshots. There was a there was one I can't think of the guy um said black dude one of the anchors or whatever who, who runs one of his shows and on the bottom of the screen it said coronavirus and bernie sanders can either be stopped and i was like right fucking i'm like are you fucking kidding me and i i took a picture of the tv screen and i was sending it out to people who were like the media is not against bernie i was like are you fucking crazy it's like it's right there yeah. Like, and they were like, yeah. "Oh!" And then there was the other one when, then when, um, when Bernie was in the lead and Klobuchar got third, and one of the CNN anchors was like, "Well, you could say third place is the new first. And I was like, "Are you fucking crazy?" Like, does yeah. and like, I felt like a lunatic, man. I was like, "Does no one else see this?"
1: All these clowns, who Amy Klobuchar. I mean, oh, you're talking about I the know. most popular candidate in decades. That, like, yeah. he's filling fucking stadiums. Yeah, and it, I'm supposed to believe that. Amy Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg Mm -hmm. legitimately has a fucking shot against this guy who's basically been running for president for,
2: like, five or six years now. Right. You know? uh, Yeah.
1: yeah, I I still don't believe
2: it. Yeah, that shit blew me away. And Pete Buttigieg drives me absolutely crazy. I hate the fact that this guy is probably going – they're going to push him into the most banal, like, respected – like, he's what your grandparents hope a gay guy would be
0: because he's just –
2: that was the whole
1: problem too was like uh you know in this day and age too him being gay is like the perfect cover for them to get in another kind of milk toast do nothing democrat because it's like hey we're not homophobic he's a young he's a gay obama he's young yes charismatic but he which he's not but yeah they (laughs) they, like it's those fat those little feathers in their cap like you know this is our our young gay hope you know right it's like Look, man, like we just America, just not America, but left America, progressive America, mm-hmm. just got excited about this fucking old Jewish guy. We don't care yes. what the package, you know, it's like it's not yeah. the Madison Avenue packaging of what mm-hmm. you think. It doesn't have to be slick. It doesn't have to be the perfect story. Uh, you know, Obama was the once in a generation. Yeah. The, the, the right packaging that excited everyone. But, uh yeah, it's it's about candidates that excite people. And Bernie yes. did that.
2: Yeah, I would always say the same thing when people would ask. He'd be like, I like this man's idea. If Because, you, you know, the whole thing where, like, he's too yelly, he's too whatever. I'm like, you're saying he's Jewish. You're saying he's a Brooklyn Jew. Like, just say it. Like, I know what you mean when you say he's yelling. But I would be like, if if there was a toaster that had the same fucking platform, I would vote. I would endorse the shit out of that toaster. And he was angry, man. Like, I, I tell people all the time, like, um, a lot of
1: Americans are fucking angry and broke yep angry and broke so at least you know uh bernie was angry uh trump was angry Mm -hmm. um you know whether it was real or put on but he was giving voice to that anger uh people like hillary or um or or biden they they kind of like uh talk about like we have to get back to the soul of america it's like fuck (sighs) you and the soul oh yeah we're not voting for souls we want to fucking you know uh Do better than the generation before us and and be able to own a home and, you know, uh, a living wage and, and, you know, uh, people aren't living in poverty and living paycheck to paycheck and living with debt of all different sorts, you know, so like all of that, like soul of America shit like was infuriating.
2: That was like watching the Democratic primary, man, or, or the, the, I mean, the convention or whatever. It was such fucking horseshit, and it was so disheartening to see them drag out Republicans and pretend to do this cohesive kind of. While none of them admitted fault, that was the thing that drove me crazy. If any of them had any fucking humility when they were up there, and they were just like, "Look, we are normal," led us to Trump. We have a lot of. Uh, making up for this to do yet. No, they just kept patting each other on the back and, yeah. you know, clapping about reaching across the aisle. And uh, and uh the, the, the other thing, too, is um what you were saying about uh just like the kind of cognitive dissonance people seem to have. Do you ever feel like people are writing their own West Wing style script for the Democratic Party? Like, I'll watch Biden speak <laughs> and I'll get, you know, nothing out of it or whatever it is. And then I'll talk to a friend who's a Democrat and they're like, the strength and the way he was looking at the and the and i'm just like are you yeah. fucking are we watching the same shit i don't get it yeah i
1: think people are so some people are just so elated that trump is gone that they ascribe mm. a lot of qualities to biden that yeah that i i honestly don't see biden and harris for that matter um yes oh god harris
2: man that's a, a you ever you ever uh you ever have a friend who like is getting to the point where the, like uh, i've had friends who are you know, women who just really want to be in a relationship, and then you realize they're getting older, and they're getting to the point where, like, the guy that they introduce you to, they just have a checklist in their head, and they're just like, "He's this, and he gets me, and he's funny." And then you actually meet that person, you're like, "This is an idiot." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like and they time, like, yeah, "Time's running out." And <laughs> exactly. So this is it. whatever is up here. That's who he's going to be, and that's right. who I'm going to keep telling people he is. And then I meet them, and I'm like, "Am I nuts?" I don't right. see any of that in this guy. I think he's, I think he's yeah. stealing from you. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I just have to like disengage again from, from yeah. uh, politics because people that are that passionate and I have even members of my family that, you know, that are that passionate about Biden and Harris. It's like, you know, well, I, you know, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise, but uh, I just see this as continuing down the path to this extinction. Oh yeah.
2: Yep, yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's the you know, I, I'm, the same thing like people in my family too. Like we literally just don't talk about stuff at this point anymore cuz like even even my you know, people in my family who are like, you know, pretty liberal and democratic don't under, still don't understand the issue with police. Still don't understand why I'm so vehemently, you know, they they either they assume that I don't want them at all or any of them or any of that kind of crap or whatever and they don't understand the history of it they don't understand that there's this like like I, I've even tried to explain it this way where I'm like individually I'm sure there's people that I know who are cops who I like individually they're great dads they're nice neighbors but collectively in, in that institution they're scumbag you know that it's not it's a, it's a it's a problem and they still don't get it and I just we just don't talk about it anymore and I know they'll try to slip in stuff every now and again where they're like hey I saw in the news a cop did a really good thing did you see that and I'm like end (laughs) like what do you want me to say you know yeah yeah. no yeah i
1: I mean like when you have to distinguish yourself as a blue life you know like in response to a different movement they didn't just come up somebody didn't just come up with blue lives they came up with that in response yes to black lives matter they're like well you know fuck you uh blue cops you know who put on blue suits matter so yeah i mean just that just that dynamic of the reasons you're even articulating that yeah uh, are are are, are really kind of uh fanning the flames
2: yeah exactly and it's weird too dude because i live in a town i live in in like a short town i'm in jersey or whatever and i can't tell you just blue they're like confederate they're the new confederate flag over here they're just blue lives matter flags on people's boats as they're driving by and i'm just like I, it's so contradictory too. To many of these people talk about
1: how sacred the American flag is, and then mm-hmm. they change it with a with a blue line and stuff. It's like, well, yeah. you're you're appropriating the very thing that you you know speak about as being sacred. So yeah, I mean, I get. Look, I get all the things they're talking about, and like you right. said, they, they probably have family and yeah. generations who are cops and all that. But um, if you're truly serving the public uh you have to rethink like your forward facing like even your public relations yeah. to kind of saying like we're here to serve and mm-hmm. none of none of their rhetoric is about service it's about
2: uh asserting that they matter yes and and the craziest thing is is like just simply looking stuff up from time to like just just even if you just truly love the police or or you believe that they're doing a good job or whatever, even just looking into that, like I was reading something the other day that it was like 4% of violent crimes are solved by cops. 4% out of the whole. And it's like, wouldn't you just want that to get fuck everything else? Then if you don't believe that one particular group is being. Uh, oppressed versus another just wouldn't you want it to be yeah, higher three percent
1: three percent of those are like there's a dead body right there i saw <laughs> i saw <solved> this <laughs> you know
2: i mean exactly <laughs> it's like wouldn't you just want that institution to be ba- like the whole if the whole thing is feeling safe which i know people just feel safe when they see somebody i i don't um, I've been pulled over on my bike, on my bicycle, like literally yeah. like an, it, like, where they're just like, cause I look, you know, I'm apparently a beard, like long hair you near a playground. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Yeah. yeah the fact that well. I look like the dude who gave Jenny AIDS and Forrest Gump is a little alarming, <laughs> I would assume. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, what do you do? Like, why the fuck is the interrogation? It, it's just, it just blows me away man. it makes me super, uh frustrated and yeah and and you and
1: the whole discussion really is that you can't talk about it as one thing because different communities are policed differently so yeah you're talking about uh you know the cop who shows up at the bake sale and who shows up at Mm -hmm. at, at your church or whatever but they're talking about the cops who were essentially like occupying their neighborhood you know and right and and make and harassing them and making them feel unsafe so if you can't see that we're talking about the same institution, but mm-hmm. that, that treats different populations differently. And yeah. you know, you're kind of missing the whole point.
2: Also the craziest thing to me too is, is I know a lot of people and I, I've I watched some of this stuff every now and then I was watching the, do you see the son of Sam's documentary on Netflix? I haven't brought myself to, you know, cause now that I'm
1: married too, it has to be voted mm-hmm. on. You have to have the unanimous. That's <laughs> right. Oh,
2: happy father's day, by the way. I'm sorry. Thank I forgot. You, it's thank you. Monday. Yeah. Uh, that's all um, right. Yeah. Yeah. But I know what uh, you mean. And that's probably for the best. Cause I watched that shit by myself and scared the <laughs> shit out of myself. And <laughs> it's, I got a really into it over the pandemic for some reason. Like it wasn't sad enough, but I was watching all that shit, but it's insane to me because I, I, know people in my family who do the same thing. They'll watch that stuff. And every time you watch those programs, like evil genius is another one. If you haven't seen it yet, great documentary, but it was about that dude in 2003 who went into the bank with a bomb strapped around his neck, like an actual device. Mm. And then they extrapolated on all that. Sh- it's an, it's insane dude. But anyway, but every time you watch it, it's uh, it's cops uh, hiding information or not working with other law enforcement agencies who wound up stalling the whole thing. It's just, you know, dick wagging through the whole thing. And I'm like, how are you watching this true crime shit where every single one of them is the cops, you know, uh, blocking justice from going through or stalling it to some extent and then still... Still believe <laughs> and still wave your Blue Lives Matter flag. You know? Yeah, and like I would, yeah. like the I feel like and this is maybe an you know, whatever weird thing to say, but I feel like the only time I've in history when I'm looking back on stuff uh where cops weren't oppressing anybody was 9-11. The only time they were doing that was when they were running into a building. Everything else they're beating the shit <laughs> out of gays, they're they're you know, uh you know, they're they're killing black people in the streets, they're always on the wrong side of fucking history, even when they're trying to quote unquote solve a crime. So I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. how many reporters have to go nuts because the cops are trying to make them look crazy because they're trying to point out that they fucked up a case?
1: Yeah, I mean. Also, I'm remember, sorry I'm yelling at you. I don't know why I'm yelling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did do a year in the police academy. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I remember watching uh, Michael Moore's, uh, I think it's his most recent, if not, you know, second to most. Um, Where to Invade Next was the name of the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that because he explored uh, different countries and right. the way they police, among other things. It had a, it, it, it was kind of ambitious. It had a lot of different themes, but one of yeah. them was the way different countries police mm-hmm. and the way they treat drugs and drug addiction and uh, all these types of things and crime. Yeah, and, and uh, rehabilitation, uh, right? Pr- the prison and stuff like that. And it was again so illuminating and really. In a sense like uh jar- jarring to see how wrong we get it compared to these countries <laughs> i i think uh gosh where was it um portugal that they distinctly d- do not treat you know they treat it like a disease not like a crime uh drug mm-hmm. addiction and, and stuff like that and a lot of these places aren't armed again uh so you know right. there's all of these obvious examples of places that police differently and have better outcomes um but we just uh, obviously because of the, i guess the strength of um police unions oh, all yeah. that shit we just choose to continue to ignore it
0: you know i think a lot of it too is it's like let's remember that we're a cap we're pure cap we claim to be pure capitalism right and mm-hmm. it's all about money there's money in the prison system there's money in the police like the police are utilized and i'm like i'm not knocking anybody but the police are utilized by the politicians to drain as much. They have more pressure on them to give out a ticket than they are to save a life. Right. You know, it's sure. like make sure you generate revenue for your city, generate revenue for you this. So it's all money. So we have to we have to blame like the chain up because they're another paramilitary thing. And I feel bad. Like, do you blame a soldier for killing in war? Right. They create these paramilitary divisions and they say, yep. this is your job. You do this. And then they mm-hmm. get brainwashed like a soldier oh, does, yeah. break them down. This is your job. You answer to your higher up. You really have to blame the top of these chains more than you do the, you know. Sure. I feel like too the media is so like exploitative. If you're a big if you're a major machine, you can show us the instances on why this person from this race is bad. Look at them in this news article. And this cop from this precinct is bad. Look at him in this news article. When 99 out of 100 of this race and 99 out of this 100 of this officer are probably good people that aren't trying to do anything wrong by anybody. But if we're if we're caused to focus on like they know how to manipulate like what we're seeing better than we know how to decipher information. It went from no information to just a headline Mm. to so much information and misinformation. I don't know sure, boggling, sure. You know? yeah
1: yeah no those are all great points uh, the one distinction i would make is that the one percent of police that are corrupt and let's face it probably more than that yeah. uh, mm-hmm. they're sworn to protect and serve you know like the if right, you're just absolutely. comparing them to like black people or brown people oh, or you yeah, know what i mean i'm not, I'm yeah, not even I, saying I, I, that i know
0: you're not you're saying the way the media chooses to to get well, a rise out well, of no i'm just saying like america in general is so capitalist like even doctors like they take the hippocratic oath right they should be treating not because you can pay the two million dollar cancer treatment, mm. but treat you to save your life. But it, right. let's let's be honest, it's it's turned into a business. A hospital's a business, a police force is a business, a prison system's a business. So it's nobody's really serving us as a society, right? People and listen, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not knocking America being anti American, mm-hmm. but like people are like, Oh, you're crazy that you I enjoyed Norway. I was like, There were very happy people there. Like they were yeah. very they were engaging and embracing and they have a capitalist side to them and they have a very like social forming structure. And I think it's amazing how the powers that be, whoever they are, can make the people that are the most socialist cheer for the capitalist and the people that are more capitalist cheer for the social structures. Right. So like I, every cop is rooting Republican, but they're literally take tax dollars, pay the cops their salary like so and so. And then <laughs> right, the, right? Mm. and then all of us who are like more entertainers or free capitalists where if we don't if we don't do a show, if we don't gig, we don't eat, and then we'll be more for a social structure. And I think just by showing that dynamic that we've all like come to root for the other side, I think it's a it's a it's an art in manipulation like from for sure, a higher and- level, you know. But I'm yeah. I'm not like knocking anybody's anybody's vantage point on anything. I'm just like that's how it no, no, I, goes through my head. I'm always down to knock America. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was like I was like I was like, I was like I'll, I'll take the heat for that. I don't care. Shit. I feel uh, like I was the buzzkill on this conversation. Like, no, 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 it, no. It's fine. No, no, I know you. I know what you're saying too. And it it is kind of interesting. It's uh you know I mean I get do you, you I'm sure you've done a bunch of those shows when you started. You ever do the PBA shows and they give you a PBA card?
1: not uh specifically pba shows or but i've F8. gotten i've gotten like three or four pba cards just from guys coming up to me yeah you know
2: yeah so and and again it was one of those things like most of this stuff that i learned about you know cops and not trusting them was other than for my stepdad, who'd been uh, he was in vietnam and he was an mp and then you know he wound up being the you know chief of state park police whatever but he was he was always very honest about it. he was a good he was you know one of those ones that I'm sure made mistakes and did all that other crap. But it was also like, you give me a PPA card and you'd be like, don't let these fucking scumbags. <laughs> like it was not, it was not like a getting over on the system thing. It was like, uh, I work with some terrible people. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, And and it was, but anytime I did get one, it was like, it was kind of like that too. And it was like, uh, Hey, you know, don't let them tell you they can do this to you. Don't let them tell you they can do that to you. And it was from other cops. So I feel like it's so weird that even within that system, they know that they work sure. with just fucking, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's insane to me.
1: I remember having an epiphany like somewhat recently in you know, the last few years, let's say mm. where, you know, cause when I received those cards, let's say in the last decade, you know, maybe even going back longer than that. Right. Uh, I received them on three or four different occasions and I, like took it as wow that's really uh kind and generous you know they enjoyed Mm -hmm. my set these guys i don't i don't know yeah uh giving me uh, a card to to you know get out of a ticket or whatever but Mm -hmm. then like now in in recent years with all of uh, the protests and all the things going on i was like how many like black or brown people are they given these yeah you know what i mean that's almost like another layer of like point i'm inured from like any consequences because it's like hey man i know Officer, or whatever, and yeah. by, and by no, I mean
2: uh, I did one show that he, he found funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They used to when 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 people would give it to me. I got one. I got ones for my birthday from friends of friends. Who, like I would open a card up, and it would be like a PBA card <laughs> drop out, and they'd be like. Tell him I'm your family, uncle, friend. I'm like, how many uncles yes. can I possibly it always, have?
1: It always comes with an acting gig. Yeah, Tell him,
2: <laughs> tell him your, your uncle's cousin on yeah. your mother's side. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, the, and that's the worst they do because you're already panicking in <laughs> that situation and you're like, who, uh, who, who is he? Uh, he's a, It's my dad why why do you have a different last name Uh, i don't know he's married or i'm i don't know um yeah it was always a panic attack after a while you know what's crazy is my friends always uh i just have the i i must have fried this part of my brain i never get nervous anymore or could be the white privilege in me too where uh i got i got fucking i was going to a gig in michigan which is a mistake to begin with Um, and I go to Michigan and I'm driving through Ohio and I've got to do morning TV. So I like my brilliant idea was like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to drive the, you know, the whole way. I'm going to get there at seven in the morning. My thing's at eight. I'll sleep in the parking lot at seven. This is a whole thing I had planned out like a moron. So (laughs) I go, I go and do this. I get pulled over in Ohio, like six 30 in the morning. I'm the only car on the road and the cop just hate my Jersey license plates, you know, and they—I I didn't realize that Ohio hates Michigan for sports reasons. I don't. I'm not, I'm not really a sports guy. Um, uh, <laughs> big fan of the Hulk. Uh, I don't do not do do the sports links. Um, but uh, so yeah. So and I'm already in like sweats, you know, because I'm just driving that distance. I'm a piece of shit. So uh, and there's a blizzard hitting. Ugh. Guy pulls me out of the car, uh, puts me up against the hood, and I was like, just quick. I'm like, can I just ask? <laughs> going on um and he was like he takes me into the backseat of his car or whatever and he's like uh you're driving with uh your registration's expired and i was like oh and i like immediately snap and i was like i don't understand like all this for my registration i'm like well un-fucking-cuff me and i'll show so like i literally pulled up on my phone and i was like i paid it paid the registration and he takes his phone and he goes now my computer says and then gives it back to me towed my fucking car but i this is where my friends are like you're insane i snapped And I was and I recorded the whole thing on my phone and I was like, this is why people don't trust cops, by the way. They're like, cause you could fucking let me go right now, but you won't, will you? And (laughs) there's no there's no you could get shot. And I just come from LA too, so I was a little tanner than I probably should have been. But like I was just like, you know, the whole thing was just running through my head where I was like, and he dropped me off at like a Denny's and then I had to wait and I settled it with my um uh with my dmv you know what i mean but i had to wait to like i missed the tv thing i got Uh, i got wound up getting uh the worst case the flu i've ever had my entire life just from the blizzard hitting and i was in sweat you know all my shit was in my car when he towed it um but yeah and then my friends were like yeah you're lucky you didn't get like it was one of those things like after realizing how other people are treated that i was like i was in the back of a cop car screaming What what an asshole this guy is. Yeah. Uh and I nothing happened to me because I'm white. You've watched enough
1: enough, you've watched enough true crime to know that's not the way to handle that situation.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I was like, holy shit, I should not have gotten away with any of that. That's alarming. Um but yeah, but the fact that this guy, when I when I actually got to it's funny, the person who booked me for the gig. At the one comedy club, used to be a lawyer, like I think, or knew somebody who was a lawyer, and they were like, "Oh yeah, they just did that because you're uh, from Jersey. They're bored, and your registration was fine." And I was like, "Fucking really? (laughs) Like all of that (laughs) cost me when I when I went to the tow truck place to get it done. I had like paperwork from the DMV, and the guy goes, "Oh, we don't need any of that. He goes, just two hundred bucks cash will be fine." And I was just like, "What the fuck? Like it was a racket, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah." my uh my thing i don't want to do you, i don't know if you can stay any longer you said you had a hard out right uh, yeah 9 30 is
1: is pretty much it so yeah i should cool, probably man. i should well, probably roll
2: yeah thank you so much for coming on and uh we'll plug Pleasure. the uh, uh the lost album which i've already listened to it it's fucking amazing i love thank how you. fast you you put this stuff together man and the image on it is is this is the best artwork my favorite artwork that you've had the Thanks, entire time man. just your yeah Star
1: thank you yeah my my wife has uh has she's a, a design a graphic mm-hmm. designer artist you know so she's actually put together my last uh three oh. album covers oh nice and so uh great. yeah this was her, this was her concept man an 800 pound gorilla uh put it together beautiful yeah yeah i dig yeah. it too man it's 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 from like the 10 years in between my first and second album uh as much as you want and uh i did it the one you were referring to you know i did yes. it I, ma- I made it through the maze uh about 11 years went went by actually between those albums wow. and wow. uh i had put out like you know comedy central special i'd been on letterman mm-hmm. so the material was going out but i just never put it on a, a an album so that, that's what this oh. represents is those years so that's uh, hence the name the lost album
0: incredible dude nice. I'm, I'm good luck Before you go, sorry, we just always ask everybody one question before they go. I know, John, no worries. I I got this one. (laughs) uh, Is 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 my registration up to date? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Somebody comes in and grabs you. (laughs) 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 We always ask, if you could give one piece of advice to you starting out, like a young you starting out Mm pre-teaching, and you could say, this is the one piece of advice I could give you from the future, what would it be?
1: Uh, I think it would be that the relationships are, uh, just as important, if not more important than the work you're doing, you know? Cause I think I was not for any reason other than I wanted to be good, uh, at Mm -hmm. comedy and get, you know, and and grow. And and I was so hyper focused on the work that like for the first, gosh, man, I I tell my wife this all the time. I'm like, I, I don't know. I think it was because I was from New York too. Like so many people that were transplants, they would hang out just by virtue of like they need they needed to, but yeah. I was from here, so all my friends, all you know, all my family was, so I I wasn't like thinking of it in terms of like these are my friends. It was just like I do my set, I, I go home, uh, yeah. but that was the thing that it took me a while to learn. Like nah, man, these are your this is your community. These are your friends. And the relationships are really what carry you and, you know, the the goods, good and bad times, the ups and downs. Uh, You have so much shared history with people over the years. So that's Mm -hmm. that's something that took me a while to learn that I would definitely tell uh, younger people and my younger self.
2: That's awesome, man. Thank you so much, dude. Appreciate it. Good seeing you.
1: Thank you guys, man. It was it was fun hanging. We'll do it again. Yeah, please. Looking forward
0: to it, man. Have a great one. Take care, too.
2: Dystopia tonight.